Today's reading is from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learnt from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of God, the Lord. Thanks be to God. Beth, thank you very much indeed. So I want to look at that uh, passage uh, with you just briefly, if it helps you to have it open on your phone, uh, then uh, please do so. Uh, Jesus introduces three key images in this passage, although arguably there's a fourth one that is lurking just beneath the surface, and we'll come to that in just a moment. They're really easy to spot, all of these. That uh, You'll see the first in verse 1 where he says, I, that's Jesus speaking, I am the true vine. So Jesus is, he says, remembering all those things that were said in the Old Testament about Israel being like the vine. And what he's saying is, well, I am the true vine, the, the, the real vine. So Israel was, was supposed to be a certain thing and could never be that, while I have come uh, to, to be that. So I'm going to be the way that the world is blessed. And I'm going to be the person that becomes a light to the nations. And I'm going to be the one in whom everybody else sees love and truth and care and compassion. So Jesus is making a claim about himself. It's really helpful for us who are Christians, uh, maybe if you're new to uh, Christian things and you're thinking about the Old Testament and how it fits in with the New Testament, Jesus really relies on uh, the Old Testament for all these images and pictures of, of how God uh, wants the world to be and how God has related to us as people. So he, he takes the image of the vine and he says, yes, well, actually, everybody, that's me. I am the true vine. 
Then, in the second half of the verse, he says, my father is the gardener. That's certainly the word that we use in English. The trouble is, it's not a very helpful word, and so I just want to try and explore maybe a, a better way of putting it. In English, I know some of you, some of you are way too young to be thinking of gardening, and you think it's a, a, a rather tragic, sad thing that your parents or your grandparents uh, do. Uh, others of you may be fantastic and interested gardeners, but gardening in England tends to be something that we do to make our gardens beautiful, to look nice, uh, to smell nice, to be uh, nice places to be. Uh, but that's not what Jesus means when he says that his father is a gardener. Uh, the word that we have in the, in the original language, so the New Testament was written in the Greek language, and the word that is used in the Greek language is Georgos, uh, which is where we get our name George uh, in English, and that means farmer, as in somebody who looks after a farm. Now, trouble is, again, in English, that's not a very helpful word, because in English, when we hear farmer, what we think about are cows and wheat and sheep. We don't think about somebody looking after a vine. The older English translations used a word that we never use now, but it's quite a helpful word, and that word is vine dresser. So the old English uh, versions, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. That is, the person who dresses or looks after the vines. That doesn't mean the person who puts funny clothes on vines in vineyards. It, dresser there is the same meaning as we use when we use the word hairdresser. So when you go to the hairdresser, the, the person who dresses your hair is the person who cuts and shapes and molds your, uh, your hair. So, a vine dresser is someone who looks after the vines, and Jesus explains what he means because he says, what, the, what does the Father do? He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, and he prunes the ones that do. So if you imagine, you've got these big, long uh, lines of vines, and what the skilled uh, worker does is they, they come in and they cut off lots of branches because they don't want the vine to be putting out too many branches and to have all its energy going into leaves. They want uh, the, the vine to put all of its energy into growing big, fat, juicy bunches of grapes like the ones that are hanging from our pillars. Can you see just here? They want, that's what they want the vine to do. The skilled workers come along and they cut off lots of the branches so that the vine can really focus all of its energy into producing these wonderful big uh, bunches of grapes. So first image, Jesus is the true vine. Second image, is his father is the vine dresser, the person that goes along and, and prunes, that cuts things off, that tends to the vines in order that they really produce lots of fruit. The third image is in verse 5, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you, my disciple, are the branches. So we are the branches. So we're beginning to see where we fit into the big picture. So the vine is the big, old, gnarly, thick uh, 
trunk of the, of the vine that grows from the ground and grows up to about here. And then the branches are the things that come out of the top at the, um, at the start of every year and they get tied into the long uh, bits of wire that stretch along the fields. And our bits within this picture is that we are those branches that are growing out of the top of this ancient and wonderful vine and our job as branches is to bear fruit. And we can only bear fruit, only, only, only bear fruit if we're plugged into the vine. So if we get cut off from the vine, if we get removed or isolated from the vine, there's nothing that we can do. It's a beautiful picture at this beginning to form of community and collaboration, the Father and the Son and us working together the Father at pruning and cutting and managing everything, at the Son at giving us his life, giving us a place to be based, and this beautiful picture. And although it's not explicit in the text, I would like to suggest that because of what we read in John at chapter 14 about the spirit of truth living in us and helping us to keep the commands of Jesus, it feels authentic uh, to say that the Holy Spirit should get a mention in this picture. So you've got the Father is tending the vines, the Son is the vine, the Spirit then surely is, is the sap, the, the energy, the vitality that is sucked out of the ground by the vine and is pushed up into the life of the branches because the, the branches would neither be able to unfurl and grow or produce a fruit unless the vine is sucking up uh, this sap uh, from the ground, all this goodness, all this knowledge about what makes a wonderful grape and pushing it out uh, into the branches. So what the sap does is it, it, it takes the DNA of the vine itself and pushes it out into uh, the branches to produce a wonderful crop. That's the picture that Jesus gives, uh, borrowing from the Old Testament picture of Israel as the vine. I want to offer you two observations and then uh, just to finish with some prayer time uh, together. Now, you may be thinking, man, I know nothing about any of this. I don't know vines, I don't know branches, I don't like grapes. So this is all a bit kind of, you know, a bit healthy. This, you know, I, this is all a bit far from my experience. Well, that may be the case, um, but let me suggest that some of the things that Jesus is trying to teach are not far from either our experience or our understanding. We, of all people at all times in the world, particularly understand the absolute necessity of being plugged into something. If you take your phone, the handset of your phone, it is utterly useless without the software the operating system, the apps that are loaded onto the phone, and it's also utterly useless without mains power to replenish the batteries. So the handset on its own, just as a thing, without operating systems and apps and power, is absolutely useless. And so it's easy for us to appreciate Jesus' command to remain 100% attentive to his word and to be channels of his sacrificial love because we totally understand what happens when something like a telephone handset is cut off from its source. 
I remember a car journey I did once, and I hadn't, I hadn't charged my phone for ages. And I don't know if you've ever done this. You probably have. I, I could l hear my phone dying in the back of the car. And if, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but when, it, when a phone goes from sort of 2%, 1%, 0%, it just utters these plaintive little cries for help and mercy. And it was going, meh, 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 just little, little, and, and they got quieter and quieter and quieter until finally there was just nothing at all. And the phone was gone. It was dead. It was so sad. You know, we, we get that. And so we totally understand an image, even if it's more agricultural than we would use, of a branch that is plugged into the top of the vine. And we know that if that branch, once it says branches can't really do this, but if that branch decides to unplug itself, or if that branch gets cut or damaged by the frost, then its life is over. We completely understand what that means. Second observation is just to see again how Jesus in these chapters uses the, 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 the life of the Trinity this belief that God is more complicated than we are, that God is truly and only one God, and yet God is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. We get again this picture that it's like the, the Trinity are this wonderful, beautiful family who, in a sense, are joining hands together, doing these beautiful things, but then when they see us approach, they just back off for a second and invite us uh, to come and join in at the dance, to join in all the beautiful things that they're doing. And this picture that Jesus gives really helps us uh, to live and to pray the Trinity. And for me, that's great because you can only explain the Trinity so much. You just need to live it and to pray it. And it gives us some really helpful things that I'd like to close with. The first one is that when we relate to God the Father, one of the key things that we are doing is we are yielding to God. That is, we are saying to God, you are the king, you are in charge. If you listen to Lectio 365, often that word yield is used in the way they organize their praying. Jesus taught us to pray to God the Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's saying, God, I'm not in charge anymore. I, I yield, that is, I give way to you and to what you want. And if you need a way to understand this, think about what happens when you uh, sit down in a hairdresser's chair. I don't know when the last time that you did that. Uh, but when you sit in a hairdresser's chair, you yield to them. You trust your hair into their hands, uh, whatever, however good or not they are. That's what you're doing. You're trusting your hair into their hands. And now those of you, so, uh, some of the men here will have been, maybe some of the ladies too, uh, to a, a Turkish barbers, and that takes on a whole new meaning when you go to a Turkish barbers uh, because uh, there is fire involved. I don't know if any of them, of the, of the, of anyone here has been to a, a Turkish barber, but at the end of your haircut, and this happened to me first about five or six years ago, a, a, the guy gets out a, a long stick with a bit of cotton wool on the end, and I, I was watching him, I had no idea what was going on. And he soaks the cotton wool in some methylated spirits, then he gets a lighter out of his back pocket, and he lights it, 
and there's things like roaring with flame. I'm thinking, what on earth is he going to do with this? And then he gets that and he, he flaps it in and out of your ear, like really fast, and it burns out all the ear hair in your ears. So you, you can smell your own ear hair being burnt. It's very exciting. And, and, and it, kind of, it just introduces a whole new level of, of, of danger and fire to a haircut, which is a very exciting experience. Andrew, it's true. I promise it's absolutely true. It's, uh, James, you'll vouch for me, won't you? See? There you go. See? That, in a sense, that, that is just a very small picture of what happens. A hairdresser is someone that we yield to. We sit there and we trust them to cut our hair. You wouldn't go back from a hairdresser and say to a friend, do you know, I went to that hairdresser and they cut my hair. And the person says, well, of course they cut their hair. That's what hairdressers do. When we yield to God the Father, what we are saying to God the Father is, I trust you, God the Father. And I've decided that the very best way to run my life is not to do it all on my own, but is to yield to your will and what you want. And so that means sometimes, not always, but one of the questions we ask when we face a setback or a disappointment or a failure, whether it's for us personally or for a family unit or for a church community, one of the questions we ask is, you know, what's God trying to teach me through this by taking away this thing that was so precious to me, this part of my character that I thought was so good or this part of my personality that I thought was so awesome? Or maybe we have to ask that question negatively when we hit failure or disappointment and we have to say, what is God lovingly taking away from me at this time? What has, what has so withered in me and in my spirit that God is lovingly removing it so that I can produce more fruit? Those aren't the only questions we ask about failures and setbacks but they are a really important one. So how do we relate to God the Father? We relate to him, we yield to him and say, your will be done. How do we relate to Jesus? We relate to Jesus the Son by remaining in him. And as Christians, we believe that the only context in which our lives have meaning and relevance and purpose is when we are plugged into him. Now, by that, I don't mean the stuff that you do at church or the religious element of your life. As a Christian, we can only believe that when Jesus says that, he means that about every single part of our lives. So who I am, who I am as a husband, who I am as a father, who I am as a son, who I am as a friend, what I do with my working life, what I do with my time off, what I do as part of this community, I'm only able to flourish truly and really in as much as I'm plugged into Jesus. And Jesus gives us two brilliant pictures of what that means. The first one is that we obey his commands. That may be difficult for some of you, because you may be thinking, I'd rather have something that's a bit more about liberty and doing what I want. But Jesus says real freedom is found when we understand and obey his commands. That's, what, that's one way to be plugged into him. 
So maybe tonight you're facing the very situation where you know what Jesus requires of you. You know what he says, whether it's about forgiveness or love or patience, but you're fighting because you don't want it. I'd urge you, as you obey his commands, so the life of Jesus flows in you and flows through you. And the second thing that he says to remain in him is that we love freely and we love sacrificially in the same way that he has loved us. So how do we, how do we relate to Jesus? We relate to him as Jesus' vine. We seek to remain in him, obeying his commands, loving as he has loved us. And then how do we relate to the Spirit? We relate to the Spirit by soaking up the Spirit with the same thirst as a, the branch of a vine soaks the sap up through the vine out of the ground into itself. We long for the life-giving power of the Spirit. And we, we soak it up like a thirsty plant or a thirsty vine. The primary purpose of this is not fulfillment and is not our own happiness, or those are often lovely byproducts. The, the key thing the Spirit comes to do is to help us produce fruit for God. And fruit for God is obeying His command and is loving other people as we have been loved. So we have some beautiful pictures here about what it means to pray, to say to God the Father, yes, I yield to you, to say to Jesus the Son, I want to remain like utterly grounded in you, and to say to the Spirit of God, I want to soak up your power, your grace, and your life so that I may live out the world-changing words of Jesus, and I may love other people as he did. So I'm going to invite you to join with me in a short time of prayer now as we take those pictures and we apply them to ourselves. And it may be that you want to come and pick up some of these prayers a little later on in our service, but let's pray. God the Father, we yield to you. Uh, we want to take our hands off the steering wheel and say, Lord God, please direct my life. Please take away the things in my life that are slowing me down, things that are spoiling me, the toxic things that I'm holding on to. And we say the same about our church, Lord. Please take away the things that are not of you or the things that have died. We yield to you, loving Father, and we say to you, we, we just want to live your way. Jesus, we look to you. We thank you for your amazing words, and we thank you for your commands. You know that some of us most of the time struggle between what we want for ourselves and our desire to obey you and to take your words seriously and to see them as the source of life itself. Help us, Lord, let go. Help us to obey you joyfully 
and gladly. And Holy Spirit of God, we want to soak up all your goodness, all your love, all your vitality. Lord, we want to be people that produce beautiful, beautiful fruit that just smells of the gospel, smells of hope and love and peace and gentleness and kindness and patience. And we know, Lord God, Holy Spirit, we know that without you, we can try and we can we can the way. But we want to soak up your grace, your love, and your power. Help us, we pray. Amen.